How's it going, DC fam? Today on the Do Work Love Strong podcast, I'm accompanied by Jeffrey Crabb, Diamond C CEO, and my older brother. We're going to take a little trip down memory lane and look at the history of R&D or research and development at Diamond C. If you've been around or watched many videos or worked at Diamond C, you, you know already that R&D is part of our DNA and super, super near, near to our heart. So with no further ado, uh, let's get right into it. Um, going back to the early times, Diamond C started in 1985. Kind of talk to us, Jeffrey, about the or origin of R&D, kind of what where it came from. You said R&D is in our DNA, and quite literally. Um, it started with our dad, um, Mike Crabb, who was one of the founders with our mother um, back in 1985. Uh, he was always resolved to um, build the best trailer that he possibly could, uh, just you know, and that was in his DNA from the way his parents raised him to um, always do the best work they could possibly do, um, to not cut any corners. Um, his dad was a, a builder, a home builder, um, contractor. And so dad came up working around, his, work, working with and around his dad in construction projects and things and was just trained that way, ingrained in who he is. Don't cut any corners, do it right. Um, go all the way to make sure that it's a great product that's going to hold up and perform for the home buyers for, you know, at that time. Yeah. Um, and that definitely just translated straight through um, when mom and dad started building trailers, translated straight to into his approach to um, designing trailers. And so in the very beginning, when they started building trailers, um, of course, he worked with some trailer builders and and came up with their base product line, um, base trailers that, that they launched with in 1985. But then Every ever since then, it's been a continuous evolution, and way back in that era, and of course, I wasn't I wasn't there, um, <laughs> but you know, from the stories that Dad's told told me along the way, um, and just from pictures and documents and kind of the historic files of Diamond C, so to speak, um, you know, so much of their R and D then was accomplished just through literally him and the the trailer builders of the time. Um, thinking about, working on, talking about how can we make this better? How can it serve the customer better? How can we improve the fit form function, the durability, um, all of those things. A lot of that was accomplished through um, partnerships with vendors where he worked with outside vendors that were experts in their subject matter, whether that was a paint vendor or a you know sheet metal vendor or whatever, um, worked with vendors to develop solutions. Um, and it was just bit by bit constant evolution. Um, now we call that relentless pursuit of progress is what we, the, the term we, we put it. on it today. Yeah. Um, but it was just constant relentless pursuit of progress bit by bit in trader design evolution with the people on the team and the vendor partners, which, you know, different scale today, but is essentially still what we do today. Yeah. One thing I want to point out is, is something that's was similar then as it is today is doing it based on customer insights. I can remember the specific story of Sway Control mm -hmm. and, you know, in the beginning it didn't exist. And so, but there was several traders that came back and had this issue of being tweaked. And so it's kind of a, you know, he would take that information back and then begin, you know, the next step of, okay, how can we make it better? You know, who do I need to have involved? Is it just, you know, was it something you could do with the torch or was it, you know, a vendor, you need to get a vendor involved? Right, exactly. So they, you know, uh, evolved that way through the late 80s and in the 90s. And in the 90s, I know that he he had some drafting capability on the, on the team. Um, there was um, a person or two that knew how to um, draft in AutoCAD, learned how to draft in AutoCAD. And so they used that to begin um, documenting their designs and to begin 
um, doing sheet metal design and things like that mm-hmm. through the 90s, um, leading up to really in the early 2000s is when uh, you know, we got out of school, when yeah. I, I entered the scene, mm-hmm. started working at Diamond C. At that point, there was no CAD drafter around then. And uh, so the process worked still very much the same. I mean, yeah. it was uh, me and trailer builders and vendor partners working on um, design developments, um, research and development, and what we what we could do to answer customer feedback, mm-hmm. to better serve the customer, to develop the, the trailer's um, fit, form, function, durability, value, all those things, um, until probably 2005 or six, somewhere around there is where where we hired our, uh, the, the time at which we hired our first full-time CAD drafter mm-hmm. and which is continued to be a constant evolution of the R and D and, um, the R and D team and engineering team since then. Yeah. It's a valuable piece, you know, cause, uh, to be able to see what your thoughts are, you know, on paper, somewhat validate, I say on paper, on screen, somewhat validate, you know, your craziness to some extent. Right, right, exactly. a, a lot of the ideas that we, that we have, she would may have, a thousand ideas in a year, but how many of them actually make it to production is a much, you know, much smaller number. So, and that's one of the, the early steps is, is validating, getting it on screen so you yeah. can look at it. Absolutely. I'm glad you point that out because that's early step of validation, but that's not, um, in so many ways, that's not where the research and development really happens no. on the screen or in the computer. Um, that's a, a function of all of our, um, ideas and feedback, collective ideas and feedback of the team here and then customer input and, and all those different functions coming together to, to figure out where do we need to invest our time in developing the, the future of the product, whatever yeah. it is. It's interesting, you know, from that point, though, you know, how things evolved. And you wish, or I think in, in many cases, you want to look back and say, well, I knew that it, you know, the next step was X. No. In, <laughs> <laughs> no, in many cases, it was, you know, it's, it's intuition and gut and just, you know, trying to be um, intentional in how we're growing and what, what the need is. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's a, as a development that word development is so often it's step by step by step. And, you know, we have a vision for the, the final product, the end product, whether it's a, a trader design or a, a business system design, or, um, just a process for how we're going to build something. We may have a vision for what we want it to look like in the end. Um, but especially in the cases where we've done things that really haven't been done before, it's a very iterative process mm-hmm. in, where do we think we start? Um, take a step or two in that direction. Um, see what we like, what we don't like, what we can do better, and then do it again and again and again and again until we um, uncover the way. You know, figure out, find the way um, that is going to work to achieve that result and and make all of the customers happy, all the stakeholders happy. Which, when we say research and development, that's one of the most tricky things, challenging things about it. Um, number one is the end customer that's going to own and use the trailer. But we have a lot more customers to satisfy in that process too, which includes um, the people that are building it and people that are finishing it and the sales and marketing teams and um, build materials and a lot of customers to serve with the research and development. How does this fit and function and, and work and assemble and um, serve everyone, the dealers, the dealers that distribute the product? Does it work for them in um shipping and merchandising and distribution. Uh, there's a lot of customers involved in any development project, even the vendors. Everyone, every stakeholder has to be considered in that process. And that's the really, when we know we've got something right and something valuable, it's this um, almost almost magical sweet spot mm-hmm. where you know this 
this set satisfies all of those customers. This yeah. checks all of those boxes and doesn't sacrifice anyone. Yeah. Um, that's always a sweet spot that we're driving for is how does this improve the, the design or the, yeah, the, how does this research and development improve the design for all of the customers involved, not just one or the other? Yeah. Um, it's always, always, always the goal. It's really underestimated. So often uh, folks hear the customer and of course, automatically they go to the end user, mm-hmm. but I- internal customer is, is especially as your, your business is growing and it could be building trailers, it could be doing anything, a bakery, you know, you name it, but those internal customers are very important uh, in the, in the process. Absolutely. You, you can have a, a beautiful product idea um, concept for development, but if it's not something that our team can produce consistently, then it's a loss. It's not good, you know, yeah. and, and it's the same. You said bakery, same. I mean, the, the team, the people producing that, that have their hands on it, hands in the work, um, are just a critical part of that development process. Um, how we're going to accomplish this on a routine, consistent basis and, and perform effectively and efficiently for the end customer and for all the other customers involved. It's uh, it can get to be a pretty tangled web to sort through. Mm. Um, just requires, uh, we, we're so fortunate and blessed to have a lot of people around several, several people around that are um, just especially gifted and talented in processing through all those different dynamic factors for a development um, because it can be, uh, you know, with, with treader design, we've, we've had things and you well know over the years where, as simple as like the license plate bracket mm. um, where we, we can go through a beautiful R and D process and come up with this amazing treader design. But what about the stinking license plate bracket? Where does it go? How are we going to handle that? And we forgot to uh, forgot to, or skip the step or I got ahead of myself and um, we didn't get the, we, we didn't consider that customer um on the line that has mm. to install that bracket. Mm. And so they're, you know, the first one goes through production and they're standing on their head to tighten the bolts and get the thing, not a good customer experience. And, and that's a, some of the lessons we've learned over the years and being so careful and considerate of all the customers involved in all of these R and D projects is to make sure that the final product, um, is, uh, something that fuels the growth and success of everyone involved. Mm. Um, not just one or the other. Yeah. Not just production, not just the, the end customer. Right, right. What do you feel like in growing growing businesses, say when we're talking about kind of years past and well, even, even present to some extent, but is one of the biggest mistakes that people make in when they're wanting to, you know, do R&D and grow and evolve? I mean, we probably could list up, if we thought about it, a million mistakes we've made. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but For sure. Um, so you said one of the biggest mistakes that, people make in R&D or development of a business or um, yeah, re- research and development process. Um, and, and one of the things that we've learned over the years yeah. is um, moving too fast and not being careful to consider all of the stakeholders, mm. which is what we've just been talking about, sure. of course. Yeah. But I know that especially early on um, over the years, I made plenty of mistakes and, and, in that, and and though we may have accomplished some incredible work in the end, oftentimes the process was not very graceful, mm. and it may have included some pretty hard pain points for one customer or another, which always ends up back on us, yeah. whether it's a team member or the final customer or who. Um, so it's our responsibility, and anyone that's innovating, 
anyone that's innovating, I mean, the, the challenge and the responsibility is to just be extremely thoughtful and careful in uh, how this innovation, how this change or innovation works with, cooperates with, feeds the growth and success of all the stakeholders involved, whoever those are. Um, that's a de- really delicate balance, though. Yeah. It's a really delicate balance. It's, it's critical to be thorough in that. But the other reality I would say that we just have to be careful to balance in that is that there's never going to be a perfect scenario in, in a case of innovation. Mm. True innovation, doing something for the first time in your business or in your um, hobby or, or with your product or whatever, if it's a true innovation. It's the first time that your organization or your team or yourself is are entering this this uh, um, project or this this new idea, um, you can never know it all. Right. Um, you can never be perfectly prepared. Like it doesn't exist. And so there is a point at which yet we have to be very careful to be considerate and thorough, but there is a point at which, um, a jumping off point, mm-hmm. there is a point at which that you have to take the leap, keep the faith, um, dive in, dive in um, with relentless pursuit of progress, absolutely resolved to the mission to make it work, to, to working out the bugs and, and to know that, um, that there are some, some risks involved. Be aware of that, careful with that, but um, we have to jump off at some point um, because you don't know what you don't know until you know it, right? Until you're in it. <laughs> and and so, sure. so often when it's a brand new process or brand new idea, um, we can work and work and work and work and work at preparing for that and, and being as thorough in collaboration as we can be. But uh, we, we talk about, we use the example a lot when we started powder coating traders for the first time years ago, we had, you know, 12 or 15 people, industry experts all gathered around this big conference table for hours and hours working through the design of this powder line and how everything was going to work and interact and how the products were going to um, work with the spray equipment and the spray equipment with the booths and all these different dynamics. And it got to a point, though, where it's like we have been as thorough as we can possibly be in the in the discussion and the planning and the concept. And, and we can even test spray trailers and other facilities that are similar, but we can't trial and error test and tune this facility until it's built until it's going until it's yeah. here no, until true. we can actually hang a trailer on the line yeah. and and so there's just always that um, jumping off point where you have to decide once, once you've been thorough decide commit and go and just be very aware of the risks and impacts along the way and work very quickly to improve and and, and uh, go through those iterations on anything that may not be quite right yeah one thing I want to want to point out, um, and it may seem very basic, but something that we still wrestle with, especially in a growing team, when you talk about key, uh, making sure that key stakeholders are involved, um, is the um, point of ownership in, in these projects. I mean, any individual project, but we, we've you know realized you talked about collaboration. Sure, you can have all the, the greatest minds around the table, but if there's not somebody that to tie it all together, to make sure that you're in on it, that he's in on it, she's in on it, the right people are at the table, um, and that there's assigned ownership. That's where projects get really difficult. Absolutely. The, the, the most successful projects we've ever done have had clear scope, clear definition up front, and clear project ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, who's managing this project along the way, bringing the right people to the table at the right time to make sure that it's moving along and we're getting answers and, and uh uh, any roadblocks are ble- being discussed and cleared. Um, and, and the the roughest, hardest projects we've had over the years have been the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we had great ideas, 
great intent. Um, I probably got us in trouble by saying, let's go do this. We've got to get it done. No. This is exciting and new and awesome. And, and I know customers are going to love it. Let's do it. Yeah. And uh, jump and run and, and not be as thoughtful as we needed to be in, um, in all of that, that scope clearing and, um, and collaboration up front and how this impacts all customers. Um, it's definitely, I'm, I'm joking about it. It's definitely some of the, my hardest lessons learned over the years. And the battle for me today, and, and, and I think for probably a lot of people with similar strengths, is we have to learn how to, to manage through that in being still, be, being thorough and careful to, to slow down up front, to clear the scope, to think through all those impacts, but not to lose the entrepreneurial spirit right. and the fire of innovation. Yeah. Um, and, and so how do we marry those two things together and become better and better at um, research and development and innovation um, but in a, a higher, higher performing, more effective and more efficient way. That's, it's a challenging thing to do, but that's yeah. what we're talking about around here all the time right now as we build our innovation engine, we call it, we're talking about all the time. How do we um, absolutely keep that roaring entrepreneurial spirit, innovative spirit, but develop and scale our systems to, to, to um, accomplish that work more and more efficient yeah. with more and more team members involved and more and more complexity in the vendors and the size of the organization and, and all the different customers and stakeholders involved, um, it's a more complex process than it used to be, but we just means that our, our process has to be um, better and we have to be much more clear on that ownership. Just like you said, ownership mm. and planning up front makes so much of the difference in, in how effective those projects are. Yeah. And when you're, you're talking about the jumping off point and um, when you're, when you're forging a path, there is no black and white, right? That's right. And so you get to the jumping off point and I, and I want to speak to this a bit uh, of in, to encouragement almost for, for viewers or listeners what, what, in whatever they're doing, you know, um, that Craig Rochelle, the acronym Gitmo, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. that's one thing. Like there is no, again, I guess I'm trying not to make too many words out of this, but it's not black and white. So, but at some point you have to move. Yeah. Like you can only, you're not going to get it perfect. You're not going to get, if you're, if you get to a hundred percent, you've, you've lost potential or you lost right, opportunity. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's something we've wrestled with because for um, so often, you know, well, why didn't you just get, why didn't we just do this this, this way the first time? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's an evolution of things. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of, what is it? 80, 20 rule. You, like get Mo is kind of, you get 80% because once you get past there, you start, you know, you're past the point of diminished return. Right. And so do you have any, any comments on, on that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not something that I think anyone around can write a rule for an exact rule. Cause it's, it's such a, uh, so dependent on all the variables of the situation. Well, and disclaimer activator loves just get mo because it's like they, yeah, activator is they... <laughs> my number one strength. So I love to just get going. Yeah. Let's get going. Yeah. To get going. Yeah. So um, maybe it's like 60%. Yeah. Instead of 80, but I have to be careful with it, but you're exactly right. It's something that, that anyone innovating, trying something new, um, again, every situation is so different. We just have to be really careful to think through all those impacts and decide imp- impacts and risks, potential mm-hmm. risks, and and decide when is the risk level tolerable. Mm-hmm. What makes sense, and who who owns the risk? Where is the risk? Uh, we would never ever, if we perceive that it's a risk to the end customer getting the trailer, we'd never ever move on. Right. We would never ever get going. Yeah. Um, the the risk can't be with the end customer. It, is it a um, is there a production risk here in how well it flows down the line? Can we accept some risk there? Can we accept some risk in the efficiency of assembly 
Sure we can. Um, so we, we know there's going to be, you know, uh, production processes and things that absolutely. are learned and get better. Absolutely. And practice makes perfect as far as um, anytime we're starting new processes, uh, the first one takes an hour, the second one takes 55 minutes, the hundredth one takes 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way it goes while people are familiarizing themselves and getting used to. Um, so identifying where the risk lies and what is acceptable risk for which stakeholder. Um, and, and like I just said, in our case, no risk is acceptable for the end customer, the trader, owner, buyer. Yeah. But there are a lot of other parties involved that we have to decide. I mean, is it there 10% risk that may be tolerable for getting started? Is a 70% risk tolerable for getting started? No. I mean, no, we're not going to do that if it's uh, <laughs> you know excessive risk. Right. But finding that sweet spot that's right for the um, – all risk has a price tag attached. Um, so, so just deciding what risk is acceptable for – for um, moving the project forward. that That's, I think, how we have to think about that jumping off point. Yeah. When does it make sense to go, to push go and uh, activate the plan? Yeah. And definitely as, as your business um, evolves, risk levels change. Absolutely. You know, and, and where you jump off changes. I mean, you try and stay in tune to that, you know, as your business changes. Um, I mean, but the same core principle exists. Absolutely. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So talking more in terms of today, you know, we, we kind of hit back and forth, but um, more in terms of today and where R&D is and kind of where, what our, where our heart, soul, passion is with R&D and where we're going. Yeah, yeah so today I mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, Innovation Engine. That's the, what, what we've um, coined it around here. We are working very hard to build an Innovation Engine. Um, we have uh, a crew in engineering and R&D um, technology just focused on that, building this innovation engine that allows us to do research and development in a much more efficient and effective way than we ever have. Um, we've, uh, like, we've accomplished some amazing innovations over the years, um, some really great things for the trader industry, um, and we're only going to accelerate that. Mm. that, that that's our, our mission, our ambition um, it's so much of what our brand is about is solving problems for trailer buyers, users, people that are on a mission to move things. Mm-hmm. They have things to move. And so how can we serve their needs better and help them be more effective in that process? Um, we are relentlessly focused on building an innovation engine that allows us to do that more effectively than ever before. Um, and in a way that is um, more effectively tied to our customers needs and wants and, and, um, problems, issues, opportunities than ever before. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, we're, we're solving problems at a more rapid pace than ever. And that as the company has grown, that's become a much, much more complex department and a much more complex part of our organization. Um, but again, that innovation engine is about identifying all the different components that have to work together and in what rhythm, Mm. just like an engine in what rhythm do they have to work together to produce the horsepower, you know, to, to launch, to produce the horsepower and, and drive the, the car forward or the, the you know, rocket ship launch or whatever. Um, so we've got those components identified. What are all the parts and pieces of our innovation engine? How do they all tie together? And um, then it's a, it's a process of revving the engine right now. Yeah. We've identified that. We've got the pieces in place, building the team. And then it's a process of revving that engine, getting faster and faster and better and better at doing that work. Um, 
to provide solutions and to advance the product for the for the trader buyer user owner um, that, that's out there trying to do work yeah. and feed their own families and do it most effectively the most effective way possible um, and wants to invest in a piece of equipment that's um, going to serve their business serve their personal interests whatever serve it well and hold up you know that's awesome and, and what's so cool is that it and, I, and I'm kind of jumping back and forth but with all of what you just said the the core is still the same the the do work you know core value the spirit of you know uh, work smarter not harder all you know the the things the dna that makes up diamond c it may be a in a bigger package and more more um you know more complex but at the core of it it's still the same absolutely. company as it was in 85 absolutely from that perspective absolutely so, that's awesome well, I appreciate spending the time I yeah. mean, just getting a little bit of dig in a little bit. Of course, I'm privy to a lot of it, but <laughs> you just said some stuff that even in some parts, so I'm like, huh, that's good. We need to talk some more about that. <laughs> but, yeah. but no, it, it, it is, it, it's an interesting story and, and we've got an amazing team. And so, yeah. um, and I'll obviously a lot of that or 99% of that, you know, the credit goes to the team throughout the years. Uh, that has been in and out, come and gone. People that are not even here anymore. That but that served you know that period of time, um, are a lot of the a Absolutely. lot of the driving reason. So, Absolutely cool. Thank you. Appreciate uh, it. It was fun to talk about. Um, yeah, I could go all day. Yeah, Thanks. right. <laughs> yes, See you.